1 Corinthians 13 is the section of the Bible that everybody refers to, especially on wedding days, as the love chapter of the Bible. And it gives the explanation of what love is and helps us understand that. And over the next uh, or the last um, day, we had a bunch of students and family and parents come and join us to talk about love. And John, I'm going to ask you to just pop up the house light so I can see people because feels very lonely up here when that doesn't happen. So here's the uh, thought on this. We're in a series called Organic, and it's not about just eating kale and that kind of stuff. It's, it's about um, understanding kind of the basic uh, idea that God had for his church as it was going. And we hear that through the voice of Paul, who was writing letters to two specific pastors, one named Timothy, and he had to write him twice because I guess he needed a lot of instruction. Um, so there's First and Second Timothy, and there's a book called Titus, and that's a letter to another pastor named Titus. And he says basically these things. Hey guys, thank you for leading the church. Thank you for caring for these powerful and necessary churches. And, and thank you for the work that you do. Now here's what I need you to understand about the church. And then he gives instruction. And the reason that we've been talking about that and the place we've been going with that is because we want to be a church in the model, in the mode, and the image of Christ. And what God would want from us, we want to do. And we don't want to leave any uh, I undotted or any T uncrossed. We want to make sure that we're doing and fulfilling all the work that God's called us to do. So that's why we don't just huddle together and save our dollars together and keep everything about here. We bring in Care Pregnancy Center and people that don't go to our church and, and ministries that don't necessarily directly affect us, but they affect the world and the community around us. And we give and we serve and we put out and we do as much as we can. Now, the things that we've been talking about over the last weeks involve how how to lead the church, what it looks like to be a servant in the church, some of the things, the, the detail work that needs to happen. And the truth of it is, that's a hard, hard bargain to drive. For a lot of us, we read these things and we think, oh yeah, that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. But then to follow it up and actually do what it says, oh man, that's difficult. And that's why the church in America has gotten a bad name for the most part, because we are a people who are called specifically by God to make an influence in a community. And he says, you must be a group of people that do what you say, or people aren't going to care what you have to say. My dad used to tell me as a leader, and coming up, uh, growing up in a pastor's home, I was even talking with my friend Jeff last night and saying, he was like, well, how did you know? When did you know you wanted to be a pastor? And we've told that story several times, but I knew when I was a little kid that this is what I was going to do. Like I, from, for a long time. Now there's times where I thought, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. But for the most part, I knew this was what my call in life was, was to be. And as we were growing up, my dad would kind of drop these little nuggets of information on us and say, remember, Jeff, this, remember that, and remember that your character can't have flaws if you want to lead people, that you can't have uh, these little pockets and places that you're embarrassed about that, that nobody knows about, because eventually they'll all come out. He would always say things like, wherever you cut me, I want you to find plain vanilla. I don't want you to find a secret hidden ingredient in there anywhere. And then he said, Jeff, I want you to remember that 
People don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And as a church, that's our call, to be a place that says, I care. I care, I care, I care, I care, I love you, I care, I care. And then they will be drawn to a place of saying, well, then tell me what you know that I don't know. So the place that we're going tonight, it, we're going to veer out of First and Second Timothy a little bit, but it starts in there, and it, it begins with this. There's Second Timothy 2.22. It's a memory verse that, that I learned when I was young, and for good reason. It says this, as you see on the screen, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call out on the Lord out of a pure heart. In different translations, that flee the evil desires of youth would say things like flee youthful lust, flee youthful desires. Last week, I, I, this was part of the text that we were speaking out of, and I alluded to it, but I want to be very clear. Youthful desires aren't just for um, sex and that kind of stuff. Now, I, I'm sorry if you're very young and you just heard the S word. It's embarrassing. Don't, don't look me in the eye. But... Um, but the bigger piece of this is sometimes we kind of picture that that's what youthful desires are. And, and I would clarify for you, no, that's not necessarily where it stops. When we're young, we live out of our appetites. And kind of the way we do it is kind of the way that a two or three-year-old would do life. It's like, I want that. I go there. That's what I do. Right? Well, I want, I want, I want. And parents say, no, 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 no. Now, I, I can tell this because she's not in here, but my nine-year-old daughter, she's awesome. She's radical. She's amazing. But she does not know her limits. Do you, anyone uh, know somebody like that? Right? So she is the kid in our family with the most temperamental stomach issues. And yet she has no limits and boundaries. In the morning, she will wake up before everyone else. And she's the one who sneaks into the candy drawer and eats like a whole pile of candy before anybody is awake. And then you ask her, did you eat candy? Why? Right? And she's the kid who, when we get ready to eat dinner, she's not all that hungry, but as soon as we're done, she wants every sweet in the house, right? And she's like, but I want it, but I want it. And she's also the kid that sure as clockwork will get into bed like a half an hour later than she's supposed to and throw up all over the place because she just fed herself on everything she wasn't supposed to eat. And she goes, why did this happen? So because you have no limits, you have no boundaries, you, don't, you, you want and you take, and that's the way we live a lot of the time. And we live in a society that says, if you want it, you should get it. And so they give you things like credit cards, right? If you want that, here, we'll give you some money to work off of. Whoa! There's a commercial that's on the radio. It's so funny. It's helping people manage their credit problems. And it says, um, companies who so readily provide credit for you, they're harmful because you can't resist things like that. And, and that's the, the picture of our world. It's, it's, hey, if it's in front of you and you see it and you want it, you're probably going to want to go there. And yet, if we look at the biblical model, he says, flee from just following your appetites. Because your appetites are going to lead you places you don't want to go. So when you look at righteousness, faith, love, peace, those aren't things that are appetite. Those are things that are discipline. 
Those are things that require faith. Those are given by God. That's a big deal. And so we spent the yesterday talking with our students to say the world is trying to sell you a counterfeit life and a counterfeit lifestyle and something that will never please your heart, even though they say it will. And we encourage our students to see the world around them for what it is and to think in advance of being in the situation. Because we don't want to get in the situation in our lives where our appetites could run rampant without having a plan to say, this is how I'm going to respond when this happens. We talked through some of those things. It was a great day. And, and you know, I, for those of you who have kids coming up, we'll keep doing these things. We had some great people sharing. We had student leaders. We had adults. We had uh, uh, Karen Coons shared and was awesome yesterday saying what a commitment like this looks like to a family as you enter into this. We had one of our leaders who said literally this helped shape and form where she literally is today, currently, even in the midst of some brokenness and struggle that she's walking through. It's been an incredible journey we've been on. And for a couple minutes, I want to take you there. I want to take you to Corinthians 1 Corinthians 6, and we're just going to go through this. I'm going to give you a couple points, and then we're going to wrap up our time together. It says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, for food is for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. They're only temporary. The body, however is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord of the body, for the body. Then it continues on to say, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them to a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Some are like, oh wow, that's super graphic, right? It really is. But it's, it's that counterfeit that we keep talking about. It's that fake, it's that unreal. That's not where we're supposed to live. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So flee sexual immorality. Run from it. Literally, get away. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you? And then he finishes by saying, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That was the literal challenge that was given to a group of just over 25 students yesterday as we sat and we talked and we processed. And tonight, they're going to seal that by saying, this is my commitment to my parents and to God. This is what I believe. And then the parents are going to commit back to them to help them walk that out. And then we as a church are going to pray over them. My encouragement to us as a church is there's a lot of misconception about morality, uh, immorality, and sexuality. And maybe, I don't know, if you're visiting, you're like, I did not know you were going to be talking about this tonight. Well, surprise, but you do get dinner afterward, okay? First thing we hear in our world a lot is, it's my body. 
I can do what I want. I have one response. No. No. That is not true. Whoever told you that told you a lie. Anybody who says it's my body, no one else is getting hurt. No. It is not true. The arguments that are made toward that are are isolating and they're very self-centered. And the way we get into those discussions are by being self-centered. I want, I want, I want. My appetites drive me. This is what I desire. And we forget what it's doing to the people around us. If you ever wonder that, talk to a, a family member of a drug addict and what it's done to their family. Talk to the mem- a member of the family for someone who, had, uh, who got pregnant when they were a teenager and what it did to their family. Talk to the family members and the people closest to those who enter into these relationships and get so far down the road that they come out of them marked and scarred literally forever. It affects so many people. I was explaining to our students to stand in front of your church and stand with your family and say, I will remain sexually pure. I'm not going to have sex with anyone until I'm married. To make that statement and to make that stand, it affects more than just you. Yes, you are going to have to set some borders. And yes, there are some decisions that you're making that are kind of like way different than a lot of people around you might make. But what it does is there's an atmosphere of peace and openness that can come to your family, your friends. There's there's a different scenario when you enter into dating relationships. There's a different standard. There's a difference. There's a hope. And what you do, too, is you also proclaim hope for the people around you. And so I told them, you're going to stand, and and it's going to be between you and God and your parents. But the other thing is, that one friend that you have that did not have this experience, that's watching you from afar, maybe they might choose to do the same thing because they saw you. I believe that in most circumstances, when it comes to sexual sin, there's the group of people, one, they're just going to do whatever they're going to do because they're going to do it, and they just, that's it. But I think the majority of people are looking for one more reason not to. If you can find me just one person that doesn't, then I'll sign up with that. And I'm saying to our kids, our families, our church, let's be that. Let's be that hope, because not everybody has 1 Corinthians 6 sitting in front of them. But they do have us. And they do know that there's a hope there. No one else is getting hurt. Tell that to uh, Achan in Joshua chapter 7 in the Bible. He kept some things for himself in Jericho and hid them under the corner of his tent. And when they came and said, did you give us everything from the plunder of Jericho? And he said, yes. God judged not only him, but all of those around him. It was devastating. You can read that story in the text of Scripture. Acts 5, 1 through 10, there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And they sold some property, decided to go give the money to the apostles. And and they said, we're giving you everything that we made on this. And they said, is it really everything? And they said, absolutely. And God struck them dead right then for lying. Now, I don't think if you have a bad thought, right? That's not what we're looking for. But what I am saying is just not about us. The idea that everyone is doing it. It's not true. One, well, I'm not even going to go there. Not everybody has a chance. 
But the other side... <laughs> Thank you, Linda. High five on that one. I think I just lost Linda for the night on that one. But, but here's the other thing. Not everybody is involved. Not everybody is there because there's a lot more of us who have a standard that we're saying, no, I'm, I'm pretty good with where I'm at. And I want to stand against anything that says, oh, everyone's doing it. I tell that to the kids at different times, just kind of making a joke. I'm like, hey, do you want some cake? Come on, everybody's doing it, right? And they're like, Pastor Jeff, that's horrible. But that's what we get sold every day. We get sold all these lies about what's going on. So I want to take us back to the text where it helps us understand that we are bought with a very high price, that God has a plan for us, that we act together as the body of Christ, holding one another up. And if a brother stumbles, we pick them up. I just did chapel for elementary schoolers this week. And I showed them what it looked like by doing some little role-playing and stuff with them for them to encourage somebody who was trying to separate themselves because they knew they had done something wrong. They knew they had hurt someone. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, and this is like a total aside from the whole sex thing, but here's what I want you to understand. There might be somebody in your life that you know they are so guilty for the things that they've done that they will never walk into the church. Maybe you're that person they're avoiding because they know they've sinned against you. You know what the Bible says we're supposed to do as the body of Christ? It says that we're supposed to get over ourselves and go to them and say, how can we help you? I'm willing to forgive you even though I am so stinking mad at you. Even though I, you, you broke relationship with me. But it's not worth it to me to let you see yourself do this. Now, it's cool when we say stuff like that and we're telling, you know, for the kids, yay, virgins, we love them. Yay, whoa, 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 no sex, no sex, right? That's cool. We can do that. But when it comes to the side of saying, even though you hurt me, I'm going to cheer you on because you're part of this group. You're part of this family. We're under the covenant of Jesus Christ. We're doing this together. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you stray too far. You're going to have to fight me tooth and nail to get away because I'm called to be a part of the body that restores our brothers and sisters when we're down. There's an old song, like, I don't know, 70s, which to the students feels like ancient, Right? But it says there was a line in it, and I'll remember this till the day I go home to be with Jesus. And he just says, don't shoot the wounded, because one day you might be one. All around us in the church, we need to be about lifting one another up. And I say all of those things because I told our students yesterday that you are not alone in this. But there are people around you, surrounding you with prayer and encouraging you, and we will not let you down. No, we're not going to follow you around to make sure your pants stay up and all that kind of stuff. But what we are going to do is remind you that we're praying for you. We're encouraging you. We want to be behind you and support you. When you go to camp, we're going to pay half your way. When you get ready to make a decision for Christ, we're going to celebrate that. When you get ready to be baptized and make a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to celebrate with you in that. And when you stand for truth and you stand at an altar of marriage one day, we are going to be the first ones in the front row, should you invite us to a very expensive wedding, and we're going to celebrate you with everything we've got. That's what our commitment as a church is. 
Here's our hope. With our students, we are seeking a high road, a different road, a, a different path. And I want to be clear that not every one of us walks through life and comes, completely stays out of trouble. Not every one of us hears the message when we're 12 years old and has a chance to walk through our adolescence and, and go through unscathed. There's a lot of us in the room that probably have some scars and some bruises and some frustrations and maybe the limp, right? Jacob walked with a limp because of some things that went on in his life and every day of his life he remembered what happened there. Some of us are walking around with a limp and here's the hope that God has for us, that there is grace and he will Wash us clean. Oh, how we need that. So we're going to stand together with some students and some of the, some of the families of our church. And you're going to see this, but let me take it another step further. At a wedding, when the bride and groom get ready to exchange vows, I ask husbands and wives, to grab hands and to remember what this is all about. And I encourage them, hey, if you are here and you are dating and you're looking toward marriage, and that's the point when some of the guys just move one seat over, right? But listen to the words. Hear the commitment. Reaffirm that this is what we believe and this is where we stand. And so for some of us, even talking to people who are in this church, as they've heard this message, there is healing in the name of Jesus Christ. And there is hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Because when he walks into the room, everything changes. And when he is with us, all things become possible. And so we shift gears in this moment and I'm going to ask those parents and students who participated this weekend who are here to, and prepared to finish this off with us, will you guys come and join me up here? Now, here's the thing. I promised no one would look at them, so everybody just look down. Okay? So will you guys make your way up here? And Atherton kids, you're the pastor's kids. You get to come up front. And I don't know, whichever one of you is more nervous, you can... You can face me, and the other ones can face the rest of everybody else. But no one's looking at you, I promise. Just find a place. There's pockets, and if you're really nervous, find a way far pocket. That's all right. What? And you don't have to look at everybody. Just stand. I'm parent on one side, kids on the other. And you're going to look at me here just a second, everybody. Okay? Every, you don't, don't look at them. They're not even out there. Just look away. We're, yes. Okay. So here's the piece of our puzzle that we're going to finish tonight. You guys had the opportunity with me. I know it's astounding to spend an entire Saturday hearing from Pastor Jeff. I know, phenomenal. But on top of that, we had an entire Saturday where you stood together, you prayed together, you had conversation, and you heard the message of the gospel proclaimed in the, in the area of a very sensitive place in our lives. You heard me say some things you hope you will never hear me say again. I know. Now, on top of that, though, especially my kids who are like, oh, dear Lord, help us, right? But on top of that, I need you to understand, you took a giant step yesterday, and not just because you got the information, but because the way that the Word works and the way that the Lord works, He says, now that you know the information, you're held accountable for it. 
So you took a step forward. And now that accountability, we want to follow through with that. And so while you're not looking at these people and they're not looking at you, we bind together and they will represent the Spirit of God that's covering this. Your parents will represent the unity between your parents and you and God. And then you individually, this is your choice. You're going to find yourself in a situation where mom and dad aren't there. Pastor Jeff definitely ain't going to be there. And none of these people are going to be there. And you're going to have to make that decision. My encouragement to you is stand strong. And remember, there are people surrounding you every day, praying for you, loving you, who want you to make every possible move toward the presence of the Lord that you possibly can. So with that in mind, here's what I'm going to have you do. Um, Parents, stand on that side, face your kids, and kids, you can kind of look out. And you don't have to look at anybody else. You can just look deeply into the eyes of your parents, okay? And you can come close, get nice and close, because this is what we're going to do. And, and John, if you'll help me with this, here's what we've got. I've got some vows, and I put them up on the screen, and all you guys have to do is repeat after me. I've made it real easy, real simple, and I'll break it up into small portions, okay? But this is your vows of commitment that you're going to share with your parents. Now, parents, it's going to be hard to hold it together. I'm just telling you right now, um, I am here, and I'm a dad, and I may break up, all right? So I've got a backup plan just in case. But the big picture of this is... As students, I want you to be able to say with your mouth, this is the commitment that I'm making. And so this is how it goes. And if you will follow after me, students, at this time, would you say, today before God? I'll say it in small enough. You don't have to read it. Just look at your parents. They're much better looking than what's on the screen. Today before God, my family and my church, I promise to strive to live for God in every area of my life. I believe and understand that true love waits. And I commit to God, myself, my family, and my future mate, and my future children to be sexually abstinent as they giggle. I'm not going to make you say that again, even though that was really funny. Until I enter a biblical marriage relationship. And here's the prayer part. It goes like this. God, say God, you keep, my, you keep your promises. Help me keep mine. Now here's the harder part. Parents, is coming for you because I've got stuff for you to say too, and you're going to look your kid in the eye, and you're going to do your best not to blubber your way through this. Whew, I just about lost it just now, just so you know. (laughs) Just thinking about what I'm about to say is blowing my mind, all right? This first line, if it doesn't bring you to tears, you're not human, all right? Today, I give you back to God. I promise to help you. Cindy, stop crying. (laughs) In every way that I can, as you strive to live for God in every part of your life, 
I promise to live as an example to you and to pray for God's protection over your life every day. Thank you for taking a stand for your faith and your future. I join you in your commitment to Christ today. And I pledge to stand with you until the day that you're joined with your future mate. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Church, will you join us? Parents, I'm going to ask you to just grab onto your kids. I don't know if you're like amoeba-like or whatever. But we are going to pray over our kids. And church, I want you to pray over these families. And this is a special, special time where we just ask in the name of a God who loves us for him to be near and him to be present in the midst of all that we are. So parents, I'm going to pray out loud, but I'm going to ask you, would you pray out loud over your child? You, not super loud, you don't have to yell over me, just loud enough for them to hear because covering our kids with prayer is our job, and that's what we do. So church, let's pray together. God, we come before you right now, and we thank you for our kids. We thank you for the good work you're doing in their lives and your faithfulness, and I thank you for their tenderness of heart at this place in their life to be able to call on you without coercion to say that this is the truth and we stand by the truth of a holy God. Father, I pray over these kids and my kids and I pray, God, would you protect them? Would you guide them? Would you keep them from anything that would seek to destroy the image of our Heavenly Father in their hearts and their lives and break their hopes? Father, you are a good and faithful God. You keep your promises. Would you help us keep ours? We love you. We pray over these kids in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Would you guys give these families a hand? And before you guys go back, and as you go back, we've got Tim and Jordan who help direct and lead our student ministries, and they've got a uh, certificate. I'm going to take one here. And the certificate says this, as they hand it out, just for you guys, they already know what they're getting, but it says this, Lord, realizing that my body is yours and that you live in me, I ask you this day for your help to keep myself sexually pure until marriage. I break, I promise to keep this covenant and to resist any temptation to break it. I ask that you will also help my mate-to-be Keep them in your love and protect them from all danger. In your perfect time, bring us together in such a way that we will know for sure that we were meant for one another. Lord, you always keep your promises. Help me keep mine. And the text that we come from is Deuteronomy 7, 9. And it says this, Know this, God your God is God indeed, a God you can depend on. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations. And they're going to sign and date, and this will be something that they recognize that, that they've done. It's not a contract that we burn if something crazy happens. It's not anything like that, but it's just a further thing saying, no, this is the step, and this is the intention of my heart and my life, and I'm going to serve the Lord all the days of my life. Again, will you guys give them a hand, and you guys can make your way back.
Band, will you guys join me up here? And uh, we're going to wrap up our service. Uh, we've had enough. It's been uh, enough emotion for me. Uh, we're going to get ready to eat together. But what we kind of design this service around is the idea of saying, the hard part of being the church is actually doing what we say. The hard part of being a member of the body of Christ and someone who stands for faith and truth and hope and love is actually we're supposed to live by the things in that big book that sits on our coffee tables. And here's how I want to wrap up our time together and then we are going to worship. So I want us to say a word of prayer just as a congregation. Kind of just closing this up and allowing us independently and individually to call out on the name of the Lord. I've led you in prayer. I led these guys in their vows and I led this scenario, but I want us individually to be able to pull that together. So I'm going to ask you at this point, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And as we do that, this is just a great moment to reflect. Some have like those warm, fuzzy feelings like you just saw something really cool happen. Others are like, oh my goodness, I just came for dinner. I didn't know this was going to happen. The guy said sex a whole bunch of times. This is weird. But on top of it, the big picture for me is we're a church that wants to do what it says. Most importantly, I want to do what he says. So we've heard the word of the Lord, and now we're called to respond. And if you're here tonight and you were visiting or maybe you came to just cheer somebody on and you saw something different than you expected, maybe, maybe you're here and you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to say, I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you tonight, then I would encourage you in the next few moments to pray a prayer that sounds like this. God, I want you to be my one God. I want to lay aside all of the other things that I've put in your way. I know I'm broken. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. And I know that I've broken your heart at times. Would you forgive me? And let me come home. I love you, Jesus, and I want you to be mine. Maybe you've made that commitment already, and that's not your prayer well, here's what maybe the Lord might lie on our hearts. God, help me be the person that I say that I am. Help me to stand in righteousness. Help me to make the hard call. Maybe while you're sitting here, there was a picture of somebody running around in your head that you need to go and build up and bring home. If that's the case, God, would you give me the Holy Spirit power to be able to do what you've called me to do? Give me strength and endurance. Whatever the prayer, we want to open up just a brief time here where you can pray a prayer specifically to the Lord from your heart to His. And then we're going to worship and we're going to celebrate with food. But this is your time. Thank you guys for supporting and loving the families of this church. Thank you for coming around one another to build one another up. Thank you for being a church that when people are hitting some very desperate times, they know that they can come and be a part. They know that they can come and be surrounded by the people of God. One more thing, uh, if you will just let me do this. Um, well, whether you let me or not, I got the mic for just a second. Um, today, my very first 
and oldest daughter turned 15 years old. And I cannot tell you how much I love you and appreciate you and I love your dimples and I love your awesomeness and the fact that you can uh, outpitch anybody I know and you can hit the ball far and you can give the best hugs. And if any of you are offended by that, start your own church and have a great day. <laughs> All right? Riley, you're awesome and you do a lot of great things for this church and we love you. So, with that being said, um, my daughter's turning very red right now and crying, so that's good. I'm going to ask you, would you extend your hands to receive the blessing of the Lord as you go tonight? May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. And may His face shine on you, and may His Holy Spirit empower you in a way that you can go and do and be the church that the Word calls us to be, because that makes all the difference. Go in the knowledge of a Savior who's guiding you through every step of every day, every hour, every minute. He is with you. Go with the Lord. Have a great night. Let's do dinner together.